Hey everybody, welcome to Casual Cognition. We have a fun episode for you today. Hank and I get into a little bit of existential philosophy. And we break it down a little bit and, um, well, I should say that I rant about it for a while. And uh, then we get into um, some of how it relates to our lives. So, it's a fun one. We hope you stick around. Thanks for joining us. We love you. We are on audio. We're on the air, bud. On the air, live and ready to jive. Yes. Mm. So, I already know the answer to this question for the most part, but how you doing, buddy? <laughs> uh, don't get me started, Nate. Don't get me started. <laughs> been better? I've been better, bud. I've been better. Going through a little bit of a rough patch right now, as you already know. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I won't ask you how you're doing, because <laughs> I also already Ooh. know the answer. Oh boy! But it seems like you're on well, a bit of an upswing. Yeah, yeah. You know, I I kind of fluctuate back and forth between, like being kind of a mess and then being on the upswing so i have a i have a real hard time like like consistently staying in that that place of productivity and happiness and satisfaction with with what i'm doing and and feeling like i'm on top of my game I have a real hard time staying there with any kind of consistency. Mm. And I'm not sure if that's a matter of like uh of um you know like chronic depression which I do have or just a general lack of discipline or Maybe my approach isn't the right way. I'm not sure. But for some reason, it's just uh, it's just a cyclical deal for me. And I know you experience that some as well. Yeah. My, um, I don't know. It definitely seems like something that's been... Uh, cropping up a little bit more as I've uh, as I've grown older because uh, yeah it's I don't know it's uh, it's it's seemed like the I don't know, for me the cycles are more like drawn out it seems or at least right now mm-hmm. and I'm in a bit of a trough been down down here in the dumps for a bit so um yeah that's uh that's life i suppose 
But why? Why is that life, Hank? Well, we've talked about that a lot on the podcast. See previous episodes of the podcast. (laughs) Well, I've got another take to ask you about on this one. You know, I, I think that one of the big reasons that you and I get into these uh, phases is um, we have a you and I are both very um, oh excuse me very self conscious about our um, we'll call it productivity and about like what we should be doing what our goals are, what we want out of life, how we're affecting the people around us. So we're very like, we think about, we think about that kind of stuff and, and um, oftentimes overthink that kind of stuff. And I think everyone does have kind of a, um, a problem with that. And, I wanted to uh, talk to you a little bit today about sort of the fundamental nature of our feelings around this kind of thing. Um, you said something earlier to me that that was really funny in regards to this conversation. Um, you jokingly said that you're you're you've got a quarter life crisis going. Mm. Half joking. And <laughs> yeah, and. Well, the the that's that's playing off of the the phrase midlife crisis, which plays off of the phrase existential crisis, and people use that like kind of throw that term around, and I think that they they changed it over to midlife crisis because it 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 makes a little bit more sense to people to understand like oh, it's a midlife crisis or a quarter-life crisis because what people associate with that is like, I am halfway done with my life and I I have not accomplished what I wanted to accomplish or I feel like I should or maybe I don't even know what I want to accomplish. And that is fundamentally an existential crisis and what people mean when they mean an existential crisis they're referring to existentialist philosophy and it has to do with like meaning in your life like um have i done like or am i on track to do what i want to do with my life and i wanted to to bring this up in the context of, uh, you know, you and I have been talking a little bit and both of us have been feeling a little, little down, little off our, off our rockers lately, a little off the wagon. And this conversation of existentialism is, is very interesting to me. And I've, I've become very fascinated with some of the, uh, some of the philosophies surrounding this, um, in, in context of my own life and my depression depressive issues and like just general like figuring out who I am and what I what I want out of life so I thought it might be enjoying enjoyable to uh, to talk to you a little bit about this so 
first of all, if you don't mind me ranting a little bit, I assume you don't. Not at all. Um, That's why we started already, this podcast, dude. Yeah, I've already got going. <laughs> so I wanted to break down a little bit. Uh, uh, so we, we talked about existentialism, or I talked about existentialism very briefly on a previous episode when we talked about the myth of, myth of Sisyphus with Albert uh, by Albert Camus. And that he's considered an absurdist philosopher, but that's um, that's a lot of like specificity. Um, you could also call him an existentialist philosopher, and you could call the myth of Sisyphus an existentialist piece. Um, absurdism is essentially a a, a, a um, an elaboration on existentialism, and. Existentialism was created in large part in response to essentialism. And by the way, I'm not an expert on any of this, so forgive me if I screw up any of this stuff, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit of an armchair philosopher and I enjoy this kind of thing, so I'm going to try and give a little backdrop of this. So essentialism is what you'd think of in like some of the ancient Greek philosophers like Plato who... Um, put forth the idea of a world of forms, the world of ideal forms. So like there's a there's something that exists in his so-called world of forms that is the ideal form of a tree. And every form of the of the tree that we see in reality is sort of trying to mimic that form. Like they're essential nature is to try and be the best tree that they can be and to get as close to that ideal form of the tree as they can possibly get and we can never perceive the ideal form of a tree as human beings but it still exists out there and in the same way that's like the easy example but in the same way there exists out there an essentially ideal form of our lives and our choices and our mindsets and our bodies and everything that has to do with us and we like the the goal of our lives the the so-called virtuous goal of our lives is to try and strive towards this like ideal essential nature of ourselves the best possible version that does exist but we have to we have to work towards it so that's like a very very simplified brief version of essentialism through through the philosophy of plato um basically that there is an essential um meaning to our lives an essential purpose to our lives and to who we're supposed to be and the closer we get to that essential goal, the, the more fulfilled and the more happy we're going to be. And if it sounds a little similar to religion, it's because it is. And a lot of ancient Greek philosophy did have a lot of um, their religion tied in with it. And there's a, there's a lot of this in Christianity as well. Um, I realized this after I started to study philosophy some in my 20s, early 20s, um, that like whenever people were telling me growing up in church that like, oh, God has a plan for you. 
Like he brought you into this world and had a plan for you before you were even born. Like that's essentialism because it's a little different than predeterminism because predeterminism says that no matter what happens, you are you have a predetermined path and you will take that path and no matter what, like how you think about your free will, your path is already predetermined. Essentialism says that there, your path what you should take, what is best for you, what God or your own virtue or your own essential nature or whatever has planned out for you, that is what you should take. That is the best path to take. And the the closer you get to that, the happier you'll be. And the farther you get from that, the more miserable you'll be. So the reason I I put put down all that is because Um, existentialism was created as somewhat of a counter to that where it says that you we just exist that's where the root word comes from all you do is exist that's the only purpose of your life or if you can even call it a purpose is just existence and any sort of meaning or right path you have to figure that out yourself as an independent being and then you have to follow that in order to be happy but that like that that gives you more choice like you can decide what your path is and that's why we call it an existential crisis because the idea is that oh i have i've decided to do this for a long time but i really want to do this or I really want to do that. I've decided to have a family and um, raise kids and do my career stuff and be buttoned up. But what I really want to do is buy a sports car, date a super hot 25-year-old, and travel across the country. And I never did that, so now I have to do it whenever I'm 47. And it's a very like cheap and kind of consumerist way to talk about an existential crisis, but I think that it is a fundamental part of the human experience. And people, if they were being honest and, and maybe maybe more than just honest, but also just like remembering different parts of their lives clearly, you'd find that everybody goes through multiple uh, phases of this issue in in their lifetimes, or at least the vast majority of people do, because it is part of the human condition. Like, why am I here? What am I doing? Unless you're content with saying, oh, well, God has a plan for me, and whatever I'm doing right now is God's plan, and it's cool, and I'm totally fine with that. Which even people who say that, I I don't I think that they'd like to believe it, but they don't really believe yeah, it. Yeah, I fucking wish I believed that, dude. <laughs> that would make life so much fucking easier. <laughs> Jesus. And I'm 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 like a religious or spiritual person who who does believe that like there's a higher power who's looking out for me, who does have like good intentions for me, but that certainly doesn't translate to like. Oh, whatever happens in my life is fine because it's God's plan. It's just like that is such a 
that's such a denial of of the human experience that I think it's it's just kind of ridiculous to even try and get somebody to think that way who isn't an, a complete simpleton or ha, or has like some sort of massive ability to like like get rid of their ego like it's it's kind of it's like something either a five year old or like a Zen monk would do. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I don't think it's a realistic way to think for an average person. I suppose if everything's just fucking going great, like all the time, or no, I, I don't know. I mean, it's everyone's got their their way of coping with. Well, going great is subjective. Yeah, definitely. It's like, what does that mean? There's a lot of rich kids out there who some other person might look at that and be like, their life's going great and they're fucking miserable. And they're going through existential crises at, you know, 15 years old, like, ah, oh, my family is destroying the environment. <laughs> or, you know, exploiting their workers or something like that. You know, coming to awareness of their own nature or even just like, in their 20s, like, I've had everything that I've ever wanted in my life, and nothing has made me truly happy. So, to bring it back to what we were starting off with, the big question that this sort of thing brings up is, with that existential framework of okay so uh and and i like to i like to have a little bit of a mix between essentialism and uh and existentialism even though they're normally used in opposition to each other i like to think of it a little of like you know there's there's some things that you should do some general things that you should do but there's a lot of wiggle room in there so for example like an, an essentialist part of it would be like, oh, well, Nate, you should be creative in some way. But that doesn't mean that, oh, Nate, you should be a painter. Nate, you're, you're essentially a singer. You're essentially a podcaster. This is what you have to do. So, uh, but I do think that like, okay, I, I essentially have a creative side. So some part of my path needs to involve some kind of creativity. Otherwise, I'm going to be unhappy. But at the same time, that is that could be almost anything. And that leaves me a lot of room to like figure out myself what I want to do and how I want to do it. And that leaves plenty of room for existential crises of, oh, my God. I mean, even now, this is probably a part of what you're experiencing, but I experience this a lot of, like, it, no matter what I do right now, I'm behind my my creative peers that I look up to because most of them started doing their stuff whenever they were in their early teens. I mean, almost everybody who I looked up look up to artistically started whenever they were, like, 13 or around that time. And I started almost everything in my 20s, except for singing. And even then, I started it. I, I really started actually practicing whenever I was like, like 
in my late teens to be generous early 20s probably so I'm behind in all that stuff and it's like am I ever gonna catch up fast enough to be anything good and then I'm like not even practicing that much and, uh, and so it's just like a, there's this feeling of hopelessness that sets in of like I'm not good enough and I never will be and my life will suck because of it <laughs> uh yeah, that's rough, man. That's uh, that's pretty rough. What are your thoughts on it? Um, I mean, we we've talked about this a bit. Um, I think it's just a complete waste of time to think like that, and yet I I can resonate with a lot of what you said. Um, I think it's resistance and it's just, uh, coming up with excuses and reasons to feel sorry for ourselves and reasons to not do what we think is important. And it's just a complete fucking red herring, man. Total waste of time. And yet I find myself engaging with those stories. And yet we do it. Um, and that's some kind of complex, which um, I hope to drop someday. But uh, for some <laughs> reason, uh, it's I've been holding on to that. And... Um, yeah, it's it's rough, man. That's a th like it's such a fucking horrible story because it doesn't matter what you do, it doesn't matter how much you practice and how much you improve, like you're never good enough. It's there's never oh, I'm enough now. Like that just doesn't happen uh through that like through practicing or like you know that doesn't you it, you never get there and uh you know the, i think we've talked about this a little bit uh or i think i remember talking a little bit about this kind of with with cosmo okay we can repeat stuff on the podcast yeah but like um how that thing like there's a part of that which is just us wanting to improve right and that's great like it's good that we want to improve but it's like it's on fucking when it when it becomes the when it's on overdrive it's just totally it doesn't work it's not helpful at all it just becomes a barrier and it just becomes a a weight which cannot be um, lifted through doing enough, like, practice or fucking whatever, you know? Yeah. So... Well, and here's one of the... Sorry, go on. Oh, it's a... I was just kind of wrapping up. Just, it's a... It's a difficult place to be in. Now, here's... Uh, where I think 
some of this philosophical stuff can be helpful. Because one part that is interesting to me is what we were just saying, that we both know this stuff. We both know that it's a waste of time to be down on ourselves for not starting early enough, or not practicing enough, or not being good enough now, or, or, or not getting or not improving fast enough, or not being as productive as we should be. We know that that's a waste of time to like hate on yourself because because of that because it just makes you feel worse i mean yeah it's just counterproductive i think i think there's a select group of people that benefit from that like hard on themselves kind of mentality and if you are that way you know there's there's plenty of people out there who can who can help you out with that sort of thing you know you can go watch some goggins or something um or some uh, Jocko Willink or something, and you know you can uh, you can conquer your inner bitch. <laughs> but for me, conquering my inner bitch just makes it go hide in a cave, and um, make me makes me search for it while I'm screaming at myself. And it just is not a productive way to do things. But. The interesting to, thing to me is that we think about all this stuff. We, we know um, that this or that thing is not productive or is not doesn't get us any closer to where we want to be, and yet we do it. And that's not just being hard on ourselves. It's also, you know, bad habits, you know, playing too many video games, drinking too much, smoking too much weed, watching too much TV. Like, we know... Like, at least there's some pleasure in that. I mean, there's kind of like a sick pleasure in beating up yourself, but that's a fucking, that's a pretty miserable spot. But, um, but you know, we, we know that this stuff is, is not getting us where we want to go, but we still do it. And that's an interesting thing to me because it, it sort of demonstrates that just having enough knowledge about something doesn't necessarily protect you from its dangers, um, which is was kind of like the the role of drug prevention measures in the 90s and 2000s, which they realized was stupid. Of like, oh, if we just tell everybody that everything is bad and convince them of it as children, then they won't do drugs, and it was a miserable failure. And I, but I think that where this sort of knowledge can help us is um, something that philosophers have used for thousands of years, which is um, some of this thought experiment type stuff. And this is one thing I've been thinking of in context of this, is the thought experiment of just complete and utter failure of what I really want to do. So like, what I really want to do, as I lined out earlier, one of the big things I really want to do is do something worthwhile creatively. Well, what make do you, a life out what is, of. What does that mean? Um, like make a living creatively and also make something that is um, now, 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 you, now you gave me a good question. What does that mean? Um, and I'll, I'll give you a good example. Um, audio people won't be able to see this, but you see this, uh, this tapestry behind me? Yes. 
very nice tapestry, very pretty thing. It's not an artistic masterpiece. It's not um, something that is completely, you know, mind-bogglingly good. It wouldn't take somebody to be a, a master artist a Van to do that. Hoch. Piece. <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't wouldn't take it wouldn't take Van Hoch to do it. Uh. But it's really pretty, and it's really enjoyable. Alex and I absolutely love it. We're we're gonna keep it forever as long as it doesn't get destroyed somehow. And even if it did, I'd probably try and find a new one. Um, and it's something that's it's like a really special piece of art to us. And that'd be like a like a good goal for me of like if I can make some stuff that people like really value and really appreciate and really enjoy, even if it's not a huge audience, even if if, if some people really value and appreciate and enjoy it. Um, and, and I, you know, you could say that, oh, there's a few people that really enjoy the podcast, but like, um, I, I'm thinking a little more along the lines of like, like a skill set developing, you know, if I could, if I could do some visual art or I could do some music or I could do something that like, I'm developing my skill set at, but you're doing that with the podcast. What we're doing here, you? I'm just, I'm just relying on pure <laughs> unadulterated charisma. <laughs> I think you're. Uh, you know, I think I, you're selling yourself short a little bit, bud. You had to learn a lot. I could be. I could be. The, uh, but I'm, I'm making a point. <laughs> I'm making a point for a thought experience. Well, so far, you're failing miserably. No, I'm just kidding. I'm <laughs> perfect. Perfect. That's exactly what I wanted to say because that just goes to show that I'm not a very good podcaster. You know. Um. Hey. But okay, well, well, you know, maybe if you wanted to say the podcast, um, you know, being getting a hundred thousand subscribers or something like that, you know, some some more lofty goal of my creativity that I would really want to have out of it. I want to be a a, a pretty good painter. I'd want to you know be in a band and do and make an album. I'd want to, um, you know, make some legit original art pieces and, um, you know, have a podcast that's um, viewed by the uh, millions upon millions of people and gets me on the late show with Stephen Colbert (laughs) so I can give him a big hug. So Um, you're telling me that all of these... all Your definitions of success are based upon external... No, I'm almost done with the thought experiment, okay? <laughs> so the idea is to take these lofty goals. I'm, I'm making them intentionally high, like like what I would, like my dream end goal of any given artistic experience and just like work it out to the end of your life with, the 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 failure of that in mind Mm. okay the the podcast will never get a million subscribers i'll never make something as good as that tapestry behind me i'll never um make an album with a band it does that make my life not worth living or does that like fuck me up so bad that i'm just like 
like like spiral into a depression and and like i, I that's <laughs> that's where i've found some of this stuff of like it, if i if i take things out to its extreme and think like okay if i fall short of my lofty goals and my dreams and expectations out of what i know i should be doing so that's essentialist side i know i should be doing something creative to make me happy and then the existentialist side of okay i've created this meaning this kind of just made it up out of nothing that i want to be great in this area whatever the area is and i fall short of that goal have i failed truly have i have i screwed up have i done something wrong have i you know have i made a mistake and really the that when i take it to that extreme it changes the question for me because the follow-up question to that for me is was i happy in pursuit did i live a fulfilling life in pursuit of that goal that i fell short of and if the answer to that question is yes then i didn't fail at all and if the answer to that question is no then i was probably pursuing the wrong thing because in the pursuit of these things the whole point and the whole purpose of this 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 thought experiment is that it's not supposed to be the end goal that you've you've come up with that is that is going to make you happy and is going to fulfill your life it's supposed to be the pursuit of the goal and then if you fall short of the goal it doesn't matter because you're the pursuit of the goal is what really fulfilled you in your life Hmm. I mean, I think that that's part of it. Um, but again, it's also, I think it's missing, it's missing the other side of the coin, right? Like we need something to pursue. We need something to keep, keep our keep ourselves looking forward and moving forward. Yeah. But I think without like stopping and looking around and taking stock of everything that we do have already and um, being grateful for the beauty of the universe around us and where we are right now then all of that shit like i feel like that's part of why i've been so fucking down recently is that i completely lost sight of that i've been totally in this pursuit been thing pursuit. i've been in pursuit <laughs> and like oh yeah and then this and this and this and keep excuse me call 305 i've been pursuit yeah exactly and it's just like and then i forget completely about oh yeah i have a fucking amazing partner who i love and who is beautiful and hilarious and uh super fucking supportive and helpful and amazing um 
But like, am I thinking about that when I'm fucking down in the dumps feeling sorry for myself? No. Am I thinking, oh, hey, I have shelter and food and I have a bunch of fucking cool instruments and a comfortable bed to sleep in and I have uh, an amazing family and friends and um, I'm healthy and like I have so much fucking amazing I have so much amazing stuff going for me and all I'm focusing yeah, I don't on have any of that. is what I don't have and how fucking horrible everything is and like just looking for oh I need to do get that thing and like that's part of why I'm so fucking miserable but also that I'm just so crippled by self-doubt that I'm not in pursuit. I'm not in action. I'm not taking action either. So yeah. like that, I definitely agree that that like there is there, you know, that's the whole dope. Like the dopamine system is there f to get us to move literally to get us to fucking get off our asses and pursue our goals whether that's food or uh ass or <laughs> whatever like and it, it's been hijacked by the exact opposite and it's been hijacked by all sorts of things that are designed to keep you from not moving exactly um and then yeah so it's fucking hard man it's hard to be a goddamn human it's a fucking pain in the ass it's a real it pain in the ass. Uh, sometimes it's awesome. It is hard. I mean, I, th I think for me, like, I, and this is just, I don't know. It's it's something I I noticed in my in my dad, and I definitely have some kind of something along, or I've seen patterns of this in my life as well, which is just like this, these cycles of like mania and depression. Right. So like I get into this mania where I get really, really excited about shit and I get super fucking into it and I spend all my waking hours thinking about it and planning about it and doing some action towards it as well. Um, and then just getting like fully locked into that and not fucking backing off and not taking time to breathe and to take stock of how fucking lucky I am and then I just keep going until I fucking burn like Icar just Icarus style you know I, I just keep fucking flying up there my fucking wings melt off and I fucking plummet into the abyss hmm oscillating between having mania and being depressed I seem to remember there being a name for that yeah, it's called manic depression. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. But oh man, have you? I mean, that is another thing that I think that I should be doing, but I I don't have the really I don't have the capability of doing it right now, unfortunately. But down the road, I will I will try to do it, um, and I have tried to do it, but. Too fucking expensive just just like being in therapy like i i had to cancel my online therapist because it was just like 
like the amount I was paying for the amount I was getting was just like uh, absolutely outrageous. Mm. Like for less than an hour of somebody's time, I was paying almost four hundred dollars a month. Yeah, that's insane. And for one, you were paying four hundred for one hour, three hundred and seventy dollars a month. And I had one half hour video session and then like unlimited texts, but like I could like text them. Yeah. And it's just like, I, I don't even like texting <laughs> my friends that much unless I'm sending them memes or something. I'm not going to fucking sit there and text my therapist everything. Yeah. So That's not going like, to work for me. It, like I said, it's like less than an hour a month of engagement for almost $400. And I was just like, this is. Uh, and for the the like once a week sessions, it was like five hundred, like five or six hundred. I was just like, this is this is fucking insane, That's crazy, like, dude. I can't, I clearly cannot afford this. And you know, if I if I go to an in person therapist, it's even more money without insurance, which I don't have right now. And so like, I don't have the capability of going to a therapist, but that is what i really should be doing and down the road um they're they're trying they're trying to get some stuff done in the united states on that sort of thing but i i don't know it's hard to hard to have faith in that in the governmental process dude but, you were the you were the um, one who was saying that the gov government was going to fucking fix climate change bro <laughs> I that's that's why I still am I'm I have hope but um to be completely honest I think that uh um we won't get into this too much but I think that it'd be easier for the government to work on climate change than it'd be than it would to work on mental health because climate change is actually profitable like like renewable energies and stuff is actually like highly profitable in long-term investment whereas mental health is just like this weird ambiguous kind of cloudy like oh why do we need why do we need happy people to work in a fucking <laughs> retail store like like it's oh, it's Jesus. hard to to define a return on investment for making people more happy <laughs> and satisfied with their My lives god dude that makes me um, sick it just makes me fucking sick <laughs> well that's why it's important for us to have good friends like you and I are and have these kinds of conversations and you know one thing that I've always really appreciated um with you and I is that like if you're feeling like shit and you're unhappy and you're down like I'm gonna know or I'm uh, like I'm almost certainly going to know like either you're going to tell me directly or I'm going to understand by your your um your enunciation and just the sound of your voice. But generally speaking, like you'll tell me if you're feeling bad and vice versa. Like Yeah. Like we're we're just open and honest with each other and like I I'd find it a lot easier. Um I know that as as I've said before on here, like friends can't take the place of a professional therapist that's not how a relationship should work but at the same time it we should feel comfortable going to our friends and telling them when we feel bad and 
you know, feel support from them. Yeah, well, I do think that, like, we are kind of lucky in that regard because neither yeah, of yeah. us are, like, um, neither of us are feeding each other, like, nonsense positivity talk, like, to try to make it so that they, they, you don't feel bad anymore. You know what I mean? Like, like oh, Hank, you're great. Yeah, like, bullshit. What just, do you mean? Yeah, just, like, <laughs> bullshit like that. It's like, what are you talking about? Everything's, like, so great. Like, I mean, it's just, like. You've been doing so good. Yeah, I mean, it's just, like. We'll say that to each other, but, like, yeah, there's there's genuine. There's, there's, a, lot, there's a lot more um, authenticity. Well, I mean, I think it's like I'm not just gonna, you know, if if you're like, oh man, I mean, I'll t I'll tell you if if you um, if you're if you if you if you start going like way over the line of putting yourself down to the point that it's unrealistic, then it's like, well, that's not really true. I mean, you've been doing this and this and this, blah blah blah, right? But like, yeah, I, like. I, I see a lot of people like rushing to like make the other person feel good because feeling bad is bad and you're not allowed to feel bad. You have to feel good. So they're, I'm going to make you feel good. Right. But like yeah. with, with you, it's just like, yeah, man. Uh, I mean, and not just like random platitudes, but just like taking it in and, inquiring into it and just having a just being understanding about it you know and not like making a big deal out of it and not trying to fix yeah. it and not trying to change it but just like yep um like letting you feel bad are you letting me feel <laughs> yeah bad? and then i feel way better <laughs> you know like it, yeah, there's nothing yeah. worse than when you're feeling bad and you express that to somebody and then they try to change the way that you are and it's like yeah it just may like it just makes me feel like oh okay so there's like something wrong with me and now i feel even worse instead of just being accepted feeling bad and then it's like oh i actually feel better now what makes to me I don't think that people do this intentionally at all. No, no. And I don't even think that, that um, I take it this way um, consciously, but I think it's a little more of a subconscious thing where, and, and you touched on this, it's like, like you when you call me and you're not feeling good and you're really feeling down and, and Honestly, hilariously, it's even it's a little easier for me when somebody's really upset because then it's like, OK, there's a little more of a clear path to calm somebody down from like being like really fucking out of sorts. A good friend of mine had a had a messy breakup recently and they called me and, you know, I, I was like, OK, I got a clear path here. They're upset about this specific thing. But if somebody if your friend calls you and they're just like, yeah, man. I'm just down. I've, I've been feeling down. There's nothing in particular, but I'm just, I'm not doing good. Um, it, it makes you feel bad. It makes, um, it makes me feel bad. And 
it makes me feel uncomfortable and it makes me hurt because it's like, okay, my friend is in pain. And if somebody has a real clear thing that they're dealing with, it's like, okay, I have, I have something that I can do. I can fix it. That I can hold on to. I can help <laughs> in this specific way. I can do something here. Yeah. But if somebody has an ambiguous, you know, a depression that they're going through, it's like, I don't know what I can do. So they may give you some weird ass platitude or maybe weird is the wrong word, but you know, basic bitch platitude, like, Oh, you should go to the gym and uh, get out and take a walk, drink more water. Uh, It's just like, okay, well you're not helping. And not only are you not helping now, I feel uncomfortable with how I'm making you feel. It's like, bitch, you think I don't don't. fucking know that? (laughs) Like (laughs) I obviously know that, like that's not the fucking problem. Problem isn't yeah. that I don't know that I need to drink water. Like, uh, yeah, it's funny. <laughs> yeah, and and that's that's the benefit of you and I knowing each other for so long. Is that like, I know that telling you when you're feeling bad that well, I think that you should probably get more exercise and focus on your creativity more, and uh, you know, do this and that. It's like I know that you already know that. Yeah, <laughs> it's just. And, you know, um, I, I was telling you earlier today um, something along, along the lines of, like, like we should be meditating more, but it's not like me saying, well, you should meditate. It's like, yeah, ma'am, I've been off in this way, too. And I, you know, one, one thing that I, I really have been off of my game on is my meditation. And I'm, you know, I'm thinking about, um, you know, ways that I can get back on. And then it's a... It, it, it's I try to approach it a little bit more like a conversation like you know let's talk about some stuff that some some meditation stuff and we can um, you know maybe maybe get back on our game together and uh, you know it's like I, I guess the, the the thing that I'm trying to get to is my approach that I try to do and I know that you try to do is like a coming alongside the person rather than a than a yelling down kind of thing mm. of like hey about you down there in the dumps you should do this <laughs> it's like like you and i are fortunate because we have we're very similar and we tend to go through similar cycles and we we can we can kind of come alongside each other in that way and that is that's not something that everybody has access to so i'm very grateful for that likewise man I I am very very concerned for the folks growing up right now and yeah the kids growing up who are already having iPads shoved in their faces when they're mm. fucking 2 years old and like I don't know. I just, it's already hard enough dealing. I don't know. Maybe it'll be easier for them. But if we look at the statistics, what's been happening, like it's just getting worse and worse and worse. And like, as we've talked about before, we're in the midst of the biggest, most unprecedented mental health crisis in the history of mankind, humankind. Exacerbated a bunch by COVID. 
Yeah, and it's definitely gotten worse. We were COVID. already in the worst. <laughs> yeah, dude. What the fuck? Ever, and then it got and way then worse. COVID happened. Like, yeah, it was already it was already the worst. It's by yeah. far it's ever been. Highest yeah. suicide rate and depression and all this shit. And then COVID happened, and then it's like, well, um, I mean, do are people even gonna, like, oh Jesus, I don't even know. I don't even know what to say. I mean. I thought that I wasn't, like, affected by it that much. I thought, like, oh, you know, I'm kind of, like, still doing my thing. But I feel like I kind of have had, like, a like a late-onset COVID depression reaction or some shit. Like, I don't know. I, I got to say about that, this is something that I think that people don't, don't take seriously um even people who are religious but for me personally um i and i could take two perspectives to this i could take a spiritual one and a more psychological one um and I'll, just for shits and giggles i'll take the psychological one first like we're looking around and we're seeing the suffering of millions of people all over the world and that does not feel good to us as social animals we're just not designed to that's why the that's why the kids starving in africa commercials are successful like or any any other um or the the animals in the shelter with the uh fucking uh, sarah mclaughlin dude wait song going on in the back i just gotta say like, i just gotta say something really quick i don't know if i've mentioned this on the podcast but I was talking to my buddy Mustafa from Egypt. Uh, Musti, if you're out there, I love you, buddy. Uh, I love the names of all your foreign <laughs> friends. Like, dude, you're such a such a world's world's most interesting man. Dude, he he told me that <laughs> cultured fella. He told me that when he grew up, he heard the same thing. Like, there's starving kids in Africa, dude, and and he's like. Wait, we're fucking in Africa, dude. Like, what are you saying? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> I just thought that was so fucking funny. Oh man, just as funny as the the time. The time I mean, it's I fucked up, the, but uh, it would. It, well, the the starving <laughs> kids in America commercials running in Australia. <laughs> oh fuck, <laughs> so fucking funny. <laughs> That's the horrible thing is it's oh, at the same time, like, it's hilarious, but then you actually think about it for a second and you're like, oh, fuck, there's starving children. Like, God damn it. There's fuck. starving children everywhere. I yeah. mean, it's tragic, yes, but the perception of it is funny, and we can laugh at that. We're allowed to. That's okay. Well, yeah, I guess it's it's more the irony is what makes it funny, I suppose. The, yes, the irony is what makes it funny, and you know what? You and I, I know for a fact, have both done things to try and do like change the world for the better so like <laughs> it'd be one thing if i was just like I'm a so shithead and well i mean i've literally like donated to, to whoa wow like dude. and like fucking flex your i have fucking charity I, I, yes I, I regularly donate to charity bitch but like no I, not just that like 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 we've we've tried to be good people and you know i know that you have 
tried to reduce your carbon footprint, for example, like you're you're one of the most like environmentally conscious and responsible people I know, um, just for a random example. So like I, I give I think it's a lot easier to laugh at the problems of the world if you're you're kind of doing your best to to like fix them because it's it's a coping mechanism it's like if i didn't laugh at the predicaments of the world i would be miserable like if i didn't find any humor and irony and things i I don't know if i could fucking get out of bed in the morning because it's so sad and so tragic like we have to find some some happiness some smiles some humor out of these things if we're going to like actively involve ourselves with them um and uh i'm I'm going off on a big tangent here but i've got uh i'm gonna i'm gonna have to bust out a bible verse that i've probably broken out before um this is from solomon king solomon with more wisdom comes more misery the more knowledge the more grief well, call it's me just, a fucking genius then, because fuck. <laughs> if you know, if you truly understand the predicament of the world and the predicament of humanity, it can be hard to deal with. But uh, where did I go off on this tangent from? Do you remember? I don't know. You were sucking yourself like off for point. how good of a person you are. And then, no. Oh, okay. Let's go off on that. So I'm also really handsome. Um... <laughs> I'm very like like charismatic. I get along great with people at parties. I've got great hair. Not right now because I was in the rain earlier. <laughs> but when I wash it, it's fucking Fabio level. Um, oh, you know should what? Should I go on? You know what? Fun what? fun thing I noticed. So I always thought I had fucking Smeagol hair. <laughs> <laughs> or I should say Gollum <laughs> hair. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, and I've been I've been growing my hair out, and I started to realize like, yeah. wait a minute, it's actually starting to like wave out a little bit down towards the. I thought it was like just a f- gonna be just straight. Oh, so you thought it was just gonna be flat, just no, just no, total golem style no volume. <laughs> but it's yeah, it's getting to the point where it's like it's starting to wave out a little bit, and I'm like, wow. Um, it's been it's been fun. You just needed to let it thicken up some. Yeah. Is is this the longest your hair has been? Oh, by far. By far. I I never... Really? The longest I really ever had it growing up... I always had a buzz cut. Like, that was my shit when I was growing up. I remember you having real short hair in school. Yeah, I mean... and Well, so when I was really young, I had always had a buzz cut, which is just fucking... Just the easiest thing ever, right? And then... And then later on, I I had I had I did have the Biebs do for like maybe when I was a fresh like eighth grade and freshman year I kind of had the Biebs thing going on, and then I went short hair. hair. So that but that was the longest I had, you know, like the like flippy front hair that like goes down to your eyebrows and yeah. then like you know the same general idea in the back, but now it's more more of a mane coming in getting more flowy yeah yeah my shit's long right now oh man i'm having some some issues with like 
tangles and stuff. I'm gonna have to actually start like getting like trims and. You could try brushing your hair, split ends and once shit. In a while. <laughs> it's, dude, just... my hair is notoriously difficult to brush. I brush it daily, and it is. It's just like super thick and strong. So like when it knots. You can you can try and run a like a comb through it. I'll break the the cone tines. Oh yeah, like, comb is not is a so goddamn not strong. a great great one for. No, I never use combs, <laughs> but I can use like stiff stiff bristle brushes. They don't stand a chance against my hair. So <laughs> I, and like it's it's hard for me. Like I've got a I can only shampoo it every few days or so, otherwise it dries out and I get issues. Hair care, I take I take seriously. I take that shit probably more seriously than uh, than my career. <laughs> so yeah, I'm sure this is why people keep on tuning back in each and every week just to get a completely and utterly random slew <laughs> of verbal <laughs> garbage coming out of our mouths. Uh, that was just at the end. <laughs> we had some really profound stuff the rest of the episode. So this is just bonus points for you people. You want to wrap this thing up? Yeah, buddy? yeah. I, I mean, I, I think that is one of the things that makes this podcast unique and why our dear listeners keep on coming back and hanging out with us. And for that, we are very appreciative um, yes, we love you very much. It's true. And we're working on loving ourselves as much as we love you. And when that happens, the sky's the limit. When that happens, we shall ascend to our incorporeal golden god forms. And you shall then receive our podcast directly into your consciousnesses from the highest planes of heaven. And that is a casual cognition guarantee. <laughs> Have a good day, everybody. He's out. See you later. There you have it, folks. Another fine episode of Casual Cognition with Hank and Nate philosophizing from our various armchairs. I hope you enjoyed it, and you can look forward to many more, regardless of our feelings 